Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest tonight is the Pete that can't be beat, Brandon Pete, my fellow Asherite. Brandon Pete, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I am doing well, despite your recent complaint about being duped that this being a podcast, you were surprised to see video cameras. Yeah, the whole point of a podcast is that no one can see you. So yeah. you can just roll up in whatever hobo clothes you want, as is my usual attire. Well, and here I see multiple lights beaming into my eyeballs. I see a video camera. I see a picture camera. This is entrapment, sir. Uh, well, here's the thing. If you normally got dressed up for work, I would, and you were dressed down today, I would feel bad. But you're dressed the same as you always are. What would have you done differently? Yes, equally as bad as I always <laughs> What have you done differently if you knew they were cameras? Uh... Maybe a slightly nicer shirt. Okay. All right. Well, I can I can assure you, everyone, that the belligerence that Brandon Pete is displaying is is a put-on of sorts. I think he really believes this, but he's nice about it generally. Well, Brandon Pete, thank you for doing us the honor of having you having you on this show. I will embarrass you for a moment, because when I typically introduce Brandon Pete, I describe him as one of the three smartest people I've ever met. And he doesn't like that because he wants to be the smartest person I've ever met. <laughs> no, lies. <laughs> but uh, no, genuinely, you are a pleasure to work with. And I am very eager for people to hear your story and myself learn more about you. As you know, on this podcast, we talk about career path. We talk about the organization you work for. We're going to kind of skip that because you work for Asher Agency and that'd be a little too meta. And we're going to talk about some of the projects that you're working on. So I wanted to start with career path. Now, you and I met when you started at Asher. I was actually in your interview. Um, so you can blame me or I, I don't think I had any say in it, but <laughs> Tom Borney just wanted someone else in the room, I think. And I nodded in the right direction. But take us. You made fun of me because I was wearing a suit because I was taking the interview serious because <laughs> there are video cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make you weren't wearing a suit, were you? I think I was. OK, I don't I don't know. I don't I remember. Like, oh, this is an agency. This is the big time. See, here's the thing. I don't remember if Brandon was wearing a suit. So that's a lesson to all you kids that it doesn't really matter what you wear to the interview. There you don't go. quote me on that because there are places it matters. Anyway, back to the show. So you grew up in Elkhart. Yep. And you went to St. Francis. But take us before that. How did you figure out what you were interested in career-wise? And how did that lead you to the career path you're in now? Well, I've always been good at school, uh, but as I got further in school, it became apparent that the kind of jobs you get when you are good at school weren't terribly interesting to me. Okay. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah. I've, I mean, like math, science, English, like I was a straight A student okay. all through school. Um, By the way, everyone, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so not good at things that typically lead to a specific career path? Well, no. So, I mean, like, looking ahead and it's like, okay, well, how do I actually use these skills in the real world? Because it was, mm. uh, you know, I was always in, like, the advanced AP classes and things like that. So, it was uh, uh, outing myself here uh, one of many times um, for nerd cred. But, you know, it's, it's a competition for, you know, who had the best GPA yeah. by the end of high school. Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that Casey Fyrova just got... An A minus in one of her classes. Oh, that's going to bump her down to a three nine seven. 
Let's uh, capitalize that and destroy her. Yes. Yes. Um, but at the at the conclusion of that is like, oh, the point of school is to get a job. Okay, well, what job do I want to get? Do okay. I want to be an engineer and work in code? Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so, spo- yeah. spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working in code. But in the meantime, I thought like, well, you know, like I really like drawing. I really like cartooning. Um, you know, I wonder if there's a way to get into kind of, uh, that side of things Mm -hmm. and begin to look into graphic design because I thought it was a good kind of blend, um, right brain, left brain combination where yes, it is art related and you do need aesthetic skills to be able to do it well, but you also need to, um, solve a problem. You're not just doing fine art, you know, whatever comes into your head. Um, you're trying to solve a specific idea um, that a client is bringing to you. Yeah, well, that's one thing that I can say very, and I mean this very genuinely, that one of the things I like about your design style is it is a problem-solving design style. I remember when you were first hired, we'll go back, come back to Career Path in a second, but when you were first hired, I tend to be very possessive of the clients I work with, and the client, one of the clients I was working with at the time, um, you were going to be the chief designer for them. So I, I had an eyebrow raised when you started. I think it was the first thing you sent me. I was like, oh, we're going to be fine. This guy gets it. <laughs> um, and it's that sort of engineering mindset taken to what was then print design and using design to solve problems and make it easy for people to understand information. So you, so you identified... Uh, what was the, what was the program you ended up enrolling in at St. Francis? Uh, it was the design program um, at the time. The the degree was fine slash commercial art. Okay, um, with a concentration in illustration. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So had you been someone as a kid that you, you mentioned you liked to draw, but how did that manifest itself when you were a kid? It was mostly comics. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin and Hobbes, Bill mm-hmm. Watterson, mm-hmm. Uh, huge uh, role model of mine. Um, and actually had a, an influence on uh, my design sense, I think, because um, as uh, anybody knows who's way into comics, um, Bill Watterson was uh, the the first person or the first person in a very long time to kind of break the established format of the Sunday comic strip hmm. instead of having it fit into the usual, like, okay, it's got to be these nine boxes in these sizes because they got to get restacked at different page sizes kind of a thing. He just said, eh, it's a half page, take it or leave it. And every single strip had a different panel arrangement. Huh. Um, and so there, there's a, a high design uh, sense and high design skill that's apparent in his work. Okay. Um, so that was, a, that was an interest of mine. And I did cartoons since I was in like fourth grade, like okay. all the way through college. Uh, so that was kind of the the way in, as it were. Okay. So you, you complete the degree at St. Francis, and do you have a specific, here's what I want to do career-wise idea in mind, or is it sort of up in the air at that point? So, yeah. So my as I said, my concentration was illustration. So that was kind of the, uh, in my head, the culmination of all this stuff. Like, okay, perfect. Like, I'll do design, but a lot of my design will involve illustration mm-hmm. that I'll be able to get to do myself. Uh, because I really enjoy that. I think it helps make the designs more unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, had the opportunity to learn certain other things in school, um, such as web design. Uh, blech, I don't want to deal anything with that. Again, code, yuck. Uh, Spoiler alert. Yes. Uh, that will <laughs> yeah. come full circle. Yes. Um, but graduated with that degree, and very quickly it became apparent that 
being a professional illustrator in any capacity is essentially like getting into the NBA. Uh, there mm-hmm. are very few positions available. You have to be very, very good. Yeah. Um, and part of that, I think, unfortunately, is that illustration is less prevalent today than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's less in demand. Um, but also, you know, you can go online to like stock sites and mm-hmm. get stock photos, stock illustration yeah. um, very, very cheaply and affordably. So there's a lot of competition out there. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I was not good enough. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, I, a lot of things had come easy to me through school. Sure. I was always like, eh, like I'm one of the better drawers. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's not good enough to compete at this level. Yeah. I, I had a very similar experience as a writer with a capital W. I was really good at Salem State College. And then I was like, oh, there's 10 of those jobs. Yeah. And I'm not even in the top top million in that profession. So so what do you do with that then once you decide, okay, not going to be a full-time illustrator, not going to make my money that way? What do you decide then? So uh, pretty quickly out of school, like within the first couple of months, uh, I got a job at a local agency here in town. Uh, as an art director. And so uh, brought in some of the illustration skill there, but was doing, you know, a lot of just general design Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And one of the things that became apparent was uh, they didn't have a solution for a lot of web-related things. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, these these were the days of uh, Flash. Mm -hmm. Um, This is even, I think, before Adobe uh, acquired Flash, so it's still Macromedia Flash, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how like all web banners were done on the internet. Yep. And we didn't have anybody who knew that, so we were out trying to pitch clients and say like, "Hey, you know, look at these digital ads we can do. Here's a three-frame animated GIF. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks extremely primitive, and it's not the kind of thing that's going to wow a new client." Yeah. So I thought like, well, you know. I could learn that. Mm-hmm. So started teaching myself, you know, like, how would I do this? How would yeah. I do this? Um, and over the course of my two years there, uh, kind of built that up into a small, like that was probably at least half of what I was doing on the day-to-day was okay. like flash banners for yeah. a variety of different clients. Sometimes sure. I'd design them. Sometimes other people would design them and I would make them go. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that, you know, I hadn't thought that I'd have much of an interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, so had you taken any, studied any coding in school, all self-taught? Wow. I mean, like a, a class of visual basic in high school, and I okay. tried to make Space Invaders. But that's, <laughs> okay. I, I don't think a lot of that transferred. Sure, sure. Okay. So so you're at the, the agency. How long are you there? And then what do you do next? I was there about two and a half years uh, and then ended up uh, leaving and going freelance Mm -hmm. Um, for a couple of reasons. um, You know, uh, at the time I was, uh, you know, I was, I was the, uh, you have to cut out some of these stutters and post. Uh, I had a coughing fit in one of them, and I think we left that in there. So you're fine. (laughs) You just, you just, you just be you. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Yeah. At the time I was. Uh, very much buying into my own hype. Uh, ah, okay. Thought I was, you know, really great. And why don't I get to work on these clients? And I should be doing this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I think it was a, a mix of a couple things. I think, you know, it was, it was some them, it was some me. Uh, it's the kind of thing that I can look back on, you know, 10, 15 years mm-hmm. down the line and say, oh yeah, like I can, you know, it just wasn't the right fit sure. at the right time. Sure. Um, 
so left there and went freelance, um, which was an interesting move in the middle of the uh, like 2009 recession. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had kind of rolled the dice and said like, well, like if I can basically take all the work that I'm doing now, all these web banners, and if rather than paying me a salary, they can pay me freelance, here's where I can put my rate. And that means that I'll be able to make a little bit less than what I'm making now, but I'll only be working a fourth of the hours. And then I can go and pitch other agencies Mm -hmm. and I can go down to indie and I can go to these other markets. Um, It's the, it is the kind of calculated gamble that uh, you can make when you are single and you don't have any kids. Yes. Um, I remember those days. I think I actually, I think I was like very newly married Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, there didn't seem to be a path forward on salary. And so like, well, you know, like I, I can't do much worse. I'm still sure. making like basic starting pay. So sure. let's see how this goes. Um, but and I ended up freelancing for uh, two and a half years, mm-hmm. um, went very well, uh, worked with a number of agencies in town, worked with some agencies in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Uh, getting to do, uh, again, a lot of web banners, but a lot of other things. One of the things you learn when you are freelancing is that if somebody offers you a job, uh, you basically don't say no because you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from. Uh, And you don't know if like, well, if I pass on this, what's coming else down Mm -hmm. the line? I don't know. So there were definitely meetings that I was in where uh, I had started getting into some light web development mm-hmm. by this time and some actual coding websites and would go in and would meet with the agency and they say, yeah, we have this site. You know, we kind of designed it. The client needs it built in Joomla. Have you worked in Joomla before? I was like, well, no, I've worked in WordPress, you know, but I'm you know, all CMSs are mostly the same under the hood. I'm sure I can figure that out. And then I'd walk out of the building and say, oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. OK, I've got to learn Joomla. I've got to learn Joomla in a weekend. Yeah. And. So was that was that pressure self-imposed, or do you think it's real? Do you think that you were putting too much pressure on yourself to say yes to every opportunity, or do you think that's just the nature of being a freelancer? I think it's a little of both. Yeah. Um, around this time, uh, we had had our first kid. Ah, got it. So, uh, and then uh, later on, would go on to buy our first house while I am self-employed and while my wife is not working while she's yeah. watching kids. Um, and that's a horrific experience that I would not recommend to anyone. Um, so yeah, but so, I mean, like part of it is like, oh, well, like I'm married, I have kids coming, Mm -hmm. I'm the one making the money. So I've got to figure this out. I got to work as much as I can. Um, and some of it is the reality of, you know, if, uh, if I'm working with an agency and, and the agency comes to me with a job and I say no, Mm -hmm. either because, uh, I'm not the right fit Mm -hmm. or, uh, maybe the timeline is too tight or the budget's not right or whatever else, they might not come back to me next yeah, time. Sure. And because I was primarily uh, an agency-heavy client mix, there were mm-hmm. very few clients I was working with directly. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, I really depended on those agencies to like send me the repeat business. Yeah. Um, so whenever possible, I would try to you know do whatever it took. Sure. So how many years are you full-time freelance? It's about two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. And had you worked with Asher at all as a freelancer? I had actually, even when I was in school. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. There were uh, like one or two projects um, where Matt Georgi, who was the yep. creative director at the time, 
uh, got like some of the kids who were in the AAF club yep. at school and brought them over. And I think we like went to the library and brainstormed. And mm -hmm. I think I came up with like uh, a subway TV spot that was like mildly offensive, <laughs> several like ethnic and religious groups, <laughs> clearly not usable and not the best use of anyone's time. Um, but it stood out. But it amused me. Uh, and when there was a, there was a job opening at Asher at some point and I came, I interviewed for that. Yes. I did freelance like once or twice. Yes. Um, but ultimately like, you know, I, I had assumed like, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm freelance, you know, yeah, I'm working sure. with agencies, but I'm not going to go work for an agency. Yeah, yeah. And and because you had done a highly offensive TV spot, your career as a Jeopardy host was now <laughs> in Jeopardy. So, um, okay, so you tell me about your decision to come to Asher, because obviously some of it, some of it is motiv motivated by I have a house, I have kids, health insurance is a real thing I need. It would nice to, be nice to get a steady paycheck. I feel like I have to take every gig and I'm not working a quarter of the time and making the same money as I thought I would be. But what what is that experience like when you're first getting to know Asher? And please speak freely. Um, when you start looking at Asher and deciding, yeah, maybe this is the place I want to be. Well, I was in a good position uh, because I had just, I'd come off of, you know, these three years of freelance. I had never made less money freelancing than when I was full-time. Hmm, okay. So I was in like, a, hey, this is a sustainable business model. I'm doing great. Sure. Um, and actually even just coming off of the, the best of the three years. So I was in a very strong negotiating position. I heard there was an availability um, through Emily Harmeyer, who mm -hmm. was a classmate of mine from the St. Francis days. Yep. And she got hired here straight out of school, is still here. Yep. It's awesome. Yep. Um, so through her, my name kind of got floated through the grapevine. And uh, I thought like, eh, well, you know, I, I don't think that's for me, but like, you know, I'll go in and take an interview. Like, I don't need this job. <laughs> so uh, that's a, usually it's a good uh, situation to be in uh, if you're able to, to be confident in the interview, because, you yeah. know, if you blow it, like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, you can be yourself and that's who you're going to have to be. Sure. The yeah. Time you work there. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but came in and, and it seemed like, oh, this is actually like, this is a good opportunity. It was at the time where we were in the middle of uh, closing on our house uh. at the time. So, uh, you know, nothing will make you reconsider uh, your career choices, like signing that down payment on your house. Mm -hmm. uh, For 30 years, you're yes. going to have to pay this amount. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, there's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of money. Yeah. I need a job. Yeah. I need a real job. <laughs> Uh, so it was actually, uh, I think my, my first week at Asher was like the week that we moved into our house or something oh, wow. like that. It was like, it wow. was like right neck and neck. Yeah. Uh, these things happened. And, and when you start here, you're doing almost hundred percent, if not hundred percent print for, for one of better term print design, you're designing for, for print media, billboard, some TV graphics. And, and that's really the majority of what you're doing right out of the gate. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brochures and, and the like. Yeah, I think I had, uh, I think I tried to put something about interactive in my title because of my past experience yeah. working in Flash and in web and stuff like that. So I think I was hired in as art director and interactive developer yeah. or something like and that. And nobody knew what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was fine. With but it me. sounded good. Yeah. 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 I, when in doubt, uh, bamboozle your opponents through vocabulary. Yes. 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 Um, but uh, that was the whole 
Uh, I better silence my phone, too. Yeah, that was my bad. I already am silenced. The first time, folks, the first time that's happened in a year where I forgot to silence my phone and it just went off. <laughs> and Brandon Pete was witness to it. All right, so back on track. So you... Jacques! So you so you, you are at Asher as a print designer, for the most part. When does web start to... How quickly does web stuff start to overtake that? Within a couple of years, I have a tendency, um, whether... Uh, it is for good or for ill. The listener may decide. But uh, if I see someone doing something not good enough or not as good as I can do, I will usually jump in and say, nope, stop. We're doing it my way. I'm taking control of this. Yes, I have seen that albatross nibble at the neck of Brandon Pete several times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at the time, there wasn't a real internal uh, process uh, behind websites. Whenever a website would come through the door, yep. Asher was a very traditionally minded yep. agency. And this is, this is 2012 yep. uh, when I started. So uh, whenever a website would come through the door, it would be like, oh, okay, uh, we don't really do these. Uh, okay, this person, design it, and then we'll find uh, some, uh, a freelancer or a web development firm to do it, and then it'll go, and then we'll, oh, okay, yeah, it's done, it's done. We never yeah. have to think about and it And Joomla again. was a game that you played with wooden blocks, and the person who won was the person who didn't make the whole tower fall <laughs> down. That's what we thought Joomla was at that, those times. Yes. So, so you start leading that effort really by default at that point. Let's let's pivot. Yes, no one knew enough. Stop. <laughs> so so let's talk about then your team of folks who work on websites here at Asher. So you now lead a team full time, three individuals who just do web development. How has that emerged? How has that evolved? And why did you select the folks who you have on your team? How do the, how are the skills complementary? And and how do you all work together? So it's been really interesting because that's really been, I think it was 2015, uh, give or take. So I was only here like a few years before web started becoming the majority of my workflow. Mm -hmm. Originally, it was just design, and then we were continuing to partner with some regular vendors who we could rely on to do the development bits. Um, then I started getting my feet wet in the development pool again, and we were able to, okay, well, what if we you know, start coding some of these in-house? Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually my time overflows, so we start bringing on people. Um, the two people we have right now, Ben Reynolds, um, who's an experienced developer, uh, has worked at uh, Vera Bradley and Research Design and several places, um, incredibly skilled, especially at front-end development. Um, and uh, was brought a lot of new thinking uh, to the team, um, which is something else I can get into. Uh, and then Vaughn Gallagher, who's someone we brought on uh, from St. Francis um, as an intern and then brought him into part-time and eventually to full-time. Um, and again, having like a, a different, younger perspective mm -hmm. than Ben and I on the team, really solid worker, positive attitude, always willing to, you know, just jump in uh, yep. almost completely blind if need be. Yep. Like, okay, well, I'll figure this out. Ah, uh, the innocence of youth. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So um, how do you how do you work together and, and collaborate or are you working independently on most projects? It is extremely collaborative and kind of by necessity. Um, the thing about websites, like when I was 
on the print side of things at Asher, um, working mainly on the Ivy Tech account when I was hired. And that was the kind of job where I would probably do four or five jobs beginning to end every single day. Uh, and you know, maybe there were a couple larger like booklets or brochures we were working on that would kind of span weeks, but mostly it's just day in, day out. Here's a lot of stuff. It's all following the same general theme. It doesn't need a lot of conceptual thinking behind it. It just needs to match the brand standards and, you know, moving it through, um, which is not to denigrate that work. It's very good work. And, um, you know, everything still has to look good. Um, but it's a very different mindset than on the web side of things because with websites, you're maybe doing 15 to 30 projects a year. Mm -hmm. um, but each one of those projects is much, much bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, and it varies a bit, you know, because some websites are very huge. Sometimes it's like a landing page or a campaign microsite, something that is smaller. But for the most part, yeah, the projects are just so much bigger. And unless I want to say like, okay, Ben, you go take this project, see you in six months. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make sense for people to be working too much on their own. Sure. We've really got to be, you know, jumping between projects together. Yeah. So, so even beyond that collaboration within the team, you're also working hand in hand with the account team, with the, cre the creative team, web development being a subset of that, and the digital team with web development being part of that. How much collaboration is there with those other teams at Asher? Is that a, is that a daily thing or is it more intermittent? It's probably more intermittent. Uh, it depends on the project and it depends on the client. Yeah. Um, because I have a background in design, I'm able to still lead a lot of that design, mm -hmm. but there will be times where uh, maybe a uh, one of the print design team has already done kind of the brand book for a client. We say, yep. well, let's just bring them in on the website sure. and trust them to kind of get the look down. And then I'll take a look and pick it apart if we say, oh, well, we got to change this thing for color contrast rules yep. uh, and things like that. Just making sure that everything is web safe uh, and then knowing how to translate that uh, down to Ben and Vaughn and the coding yep. uh, side of the brain. Yep. Okay. So talk to me about a couple of your favorite web projects you've worked on. This is one of the curveballs I told you I would throw you. What are some of your favorite two or three web projects you've worked on while you've been here? And, and why are you proud of that work? There are a lot of good ones uh, and you did surprise me. Otherwise, I could have brought some stats. Yeah. Uh, Whoa, that's 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 perfect for a podcast <laughs> with cameras. Yeah. Well, it received a twenty-five percent increase in Google Analytics page views month over month. Yes. If we didn't lose people when my phone went off, we're losing them now. Yes. So, yes. So, what? Give me an example or or two of of projects you really like and and why you are proud of that work. The the two I would mention are both uh, larger scale projects. We've done a lot of small ones that I'm very proud of as well. Mm -hmm. um, but one was for uh, Farmers and Merchants State Bank. Mm -hmm. um, we redid their website, mm -hmm. which was we had worked on bank websites before, um, but this was the first time that it was a, a full website. It was um, uh, as opposed to like a like a campaign microsite sure. or something. Sure, and doing the development. Uh, in house, mm -hmm. so uh, plus they were on a on a dot bank domain, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a dot com. There's additional regulations there. Ah, okay. um, a lot had changed since the last time we did a bank site because um, 
uh, web accessibility yep. uh, and ADA compliance came into play. Uh, so there were a lot of different things. The what I was really happy about with that project is we were able to save the client a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, something I'm always uh, happy to do because being uh, a miser myself, mm -hmm. uh, I try to facilitate that ability in our clients as well. Um, they were paying what was like an outrageous fee um, for their website platform and their hosting. It came to them through one of their uh, financial partners sure. um, who's, you know, has their like checking product. Oh, yeah. and it comes with this website. Mm -hmm. But now you're kind of locked into this thing yeah. that does exactly what it does and nothing else. And it yeah. looks like every other bank website. Mm -hmm. So it was exciting to like, yeah, we did, you know, the design, uh, we made it load faster. We got bumps in, you know, stats across the board, but we were able to save them you know, so much money on that recurring piece of it yeah. that, you know, the project will pay for itself within a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how much of that, are you using third-party tools to be consistent with regulations? Or are you building that all from the ground up? Uh, yeah. In terms, uh, depending on the thing, like uh, we will use third-party stuff where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, we always prefer to build our own because we know that we can build it exactly the way we want. Yeah. Uh, and it won't be problematic to go into later and tweak things around, make changes. You know, it's ours so we control it. Yeah. Um, but there are times where it makes sense to like, well, you know, we can pay 50 bucks and license this software sure. versus spend two days and have to rebuild everything ourselves. Sure. Um, so we primarily develop on WordPress, which mm -hmm. is the number one CMS uh, yeah. on the market, controls like 60% of the CMS market, and I think it's up to 40% of the mm -hmm. entire internet. So that's what we use for the most part, and WordPress is really third-party friendly. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to, you know, like, hey, like, there's this theme, there's this plugin, there's this functionality, uh, and you can kind of hook it all together really pretty easily. Um, the caveat being that if you don't know what you're doing, it's pretty easy to... Uh, you know, duct tape too many things together sure. and end up with a non-working site, yeah. which is actually a perfect transition to the second project I was going to talk about. Yes. Uh, Northeastern Realty Group, uh -huh. um, yes. which uh, they're one of the largest um, real estate firms in Northeast Indiana. And they had a website that was borderline falling apart mm -hmm. um, because it had been this sort of cobbled together process. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a, a lot of different things, and there's a lot of things, um, plugins and functionality out there uh, on the third party market that do the sort of integrations that needed to happen for this site, uh, integrating with the MLS yep. and public listings. Um, but not all of them are written to be compatible with other things. Uh, or, you know, necessarily very performant. So yep. the site was struggling under the load and would crash uh, at random times just because it would get bogged down by the load. Yeah. So that was one where we were able to come in and do a custom solution that worked a lot more cleanly, mm -hmm. removed the need for ongoing licensing fees yeah. for a lot of this stuff, and integrate with other third-party databases so they could show... Uh, development lots as well. They mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to just drop a pin on the map because the MLS does that, but they could actually draw the borders of the property, which is yep. one of these other databases we integrated with. Yeah, well, I think that's cons those two stories are consistent with when I think of your work writ large, and this is true, website development, it was true with print design, 
I think that the key word to me is efficiency. You really like when it is stripped away of everything it doesn't need, and it is exactly it's it's the right amount of stuff without any extra. Am I am I summing that up pretty well? Yeah. Well, and that's why I liked design in the first place, as opposed to like fine art, because it's not like make something beautiful. It's like, well, yes, it should be beautiful, but this is a problem that we're solving. And yeah. Like a math problem, there are, there. Are, there's a solution. Unlike a math problem, there might be multiple solutions, yeah. but there is one best solution, yeah. and it's our job to find that. And functionality can be beautiful in its own way. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so what are some of the things you're working on now? And and speak only of that which you can speak, but what are some projects <laughs> that are taking up a lot of your headspace that are keeping you up at night, making you excited, maybe a combination of things? The thing that I am most excited about right now is actually not a client project, but over the past year, we've been going in and retooling our kind of master code framework. Mm. Um, So I mentioned we build on WordPress, but WordPress out of the box doesn't do a whole lot. Sure. Um, You know, you want to be able to build in a certain amount of defaults so that it's very easy for you to then spin it off into you know, client things and like, oh, this is functionality I want on every site. Yeah. Let's code this into a master thing. And now it's there ready to be cloned. Yep. Um, we went back and retooled that from the ground up, particularly with um, focus on a couple of key areas that when we had started working on this, you know, five years ago, weren't as big of a deal, but have become more important. Um, and those are performance and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, performance meaning just like loading speed, you know, your site's got to load fast. Um, but that's become more and more important recently. And that's because of its impact on SEO, correct? Yeah, exactly. Google has started using that as a ranking signal. So I learned that from Brandon Pete, by the way. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Paying dividends. So, so speed being one, what else, what else is accessibility being a separate thing? Anything else with optimization and functionality? Yeah, so just, you know, doing uh, some things like making sure images are lazy loaded and Mm -hmm. is our code minified and is it combined and a lot of stuff that's like super technical nerdy. And this is exactly the kind of stuff that I never thought I would be interested in. Mm -hmm. But it is, uh, I like code because there's so much to unravel. There's like Mm -hmm. so many like rabbit holes you can go down of like, okay, why is this behaving in the way it is? Or this score is really bad. How can I improve it? Okay, I got to learn this. And, you know, that provides a, a, a new uh, treasure trove of information uh, to learn about and research. Well, and you get a quantifiable result as opposed to fine art, which either people like it or they don't. And <laughs> right. you have no idea why. There's a lot of mystery to that. Yeah. So talk and of- even print design because yeah. so much in the digital world is measurable. Sure. So we can sure. look at something down the line and say like, oh, this really worked. Or, oh, this really didn't. I wonder why. Yeah. Here's this data. Let's draw some conclusions from it. Yeah. So so let's talk about the accessibility side. What what work are you doing there and why is that work important? So accessibility for anyone who doesn't know is just the idea that your website should be equally usable by people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an extension of the ADA. Uh, it's been ruled in several court cases that, um, yes, the ADA does apply to websites, particularly if your website is like e-commerce, if there's any like goods or services, or if it's, uh, you know, governmental, educational, financial, um, 
certain key industries where like, yeah, it's really important that everyone be able to use this. It's not just pretty to look pretty. Sure. So that was something that came onto our horizon um, with some of our clients like FNM, um, other clients who uh, also, you know, maybe they had heard of it. Uh, we even had we had one case of a client who uh, was in an accessibility lawsuit, mm-hmm. um, not oversight we built, thankfully. Um, but that was something where uh, they got hit with a suit from a serial plaintiff and they uh, were already working with us on other things and said, like, hey, we have this issue. Can you solve it? Yeah. So that's a uh, both performance and accessibility really are the kind of things that you can't really do like a bolt on after the fact. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a core consideration of your website and to take a website that's not performant, that's not accessible and try to make it so uh, after the fact, after it's already live, uh, oftentimes will end up costing as much as just doing a new website. Mm-hmm. So by kind of retooling our master framework with an eye for these considerations, it's something that like, perfect, we know going forward, like we don't have to worry about this. We've got you know a lot of the bases covered in our existing code. We have learned how to adjust our processes to take these considerations into account as we build, uh, and we can know, you know, going forward as we roll these out on on new projects. Uh, you know, not only is the the process more faster and seamless for us internally because we've streamlined other things, but we also know, you know, the performance is great. The accessibility is outstanding. Yeah, and that's going to help the next site you work on and be an investment of sorts up mm-hmm. front. So one of the things that's always fascinated me about you, Brandon Pete, is that you have a lot of other interests. Um, and my, my suspicion is that the only interest you have time for right now is three young children. But you once put together, was it a, an ABC book with Star Wars characters? Am I getting that right? <laughs> yes. A is for Akbar. Okay. All right. And, and I'm immediately in the weeds and don't understand what Brandon <laughs> P is saying. But no, I, looked, I did look at it as someone who has no appreciation for science fiction or Star Wars. And yes, the hate mail can come directly to Asherah Agency. But I thought it was fascinating. Was that inspired by your kids or had you done that prior to having kids? Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've always been a, a massive nerd uh, on many levels, but certainly sci-fi and fantasy being uh, a few of those data points. So that was something that when uh, my wife and I found out that we were pregnant with uh, our first child, um, which uh, he was a bit of a surprise. We were planning on having kids, yep. hadn't planned on the timing. Yeah. Uh, and so like, okay, we got to psych ourselves up for this. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of, uh, she's also a designer and illustrator, so... Uh, to, you know, art students, how can we get ourselves in the headspace? How about we produce kid-themed art? Yeah, uh, and recruit them to the nerd side at the yes. same time. Yes. Yeah. yes, and you also did some, I don't know if I have this term right, but some anime, is that correct? Is that, am I close? Uh, graphic sorry. graphic art, What dig, save me from myself. No, I just, Black I, Rose, the I, Black Rose series. There you go. Okay. I wanted to see how far you'd spin yourself into it a It would be uglier than it just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with a couple of friends, uh, we were working on a comic book called Black Rose, um, which is kind of a fantasy steampunk uh, okay. sort of comic. So I wasn't even in the ballpark. No, I mean, anime I would associate with, uh, with video. Yeah, okay. Uh, and if it was going to be comics, it'd be a, a comic, a graphic novel, maybe a, a manga if it was Japanese, but it's not. Okay. 
So, so illustration. Yeah. And, and that is that in the past or are you still doing any of that? We are still doing it, but very, very on the side, just because yeah. all of us have gotten much sure. busier with families sure. and jobs and whatever else. So I was actually, I was co-writing, I was doing the lettering, the word bubbles. Um, a friend was the lead writer. Another friend was the lead artist. Um, and I was kind of a little bit more of like the support role, like helping connect the various uh, bits and pieces together. Yeah, well, I remember I was at what is now, I think, Summit Comics, and I took my son there, and he was just blown away that he actually knew someone who had worked on one of the books that was for sale there. Um, And you're also a fine singer, I hear, Bryn. Pete, is that true? Oh, I suppose. Okay, well, we won't ask you to prove that or disprove that here. So do you have time for any of that stuff, or is it all family and work and sleep at this point? (laughs) Sleep? Jeez. What a luxury. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's mostly work and family at yeah. this point. Um, you know, it's it's hard to find those other things. Um, but I recently um, started reading a book um, that you recommended. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Uh, of Digital Minimalism yes. uh, by Cal Newport. And uh, one of the things that he advocates uh, for in that book uh, is the pursuit of high quality leisure activities. Yes. Um, and I think that that is a, it, I had never put it in those terms before mm-hmm. um, because I think I've always been uh, focused, uh, probably overly focused on my output. Yeah. What sure. am I doing? Is it, whether it's in my job or if I'm doing a comic on the side or I have this other project I want to do. Um, just focus on like how much stuff can I crank out? Yeah. How productive can I be? Yeah. And I understand that like free time is necessary. It's like a necessary evil, like to the extent that my, I'll I'll get to that when I have time for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To the extent that my body and mind require free time, I will engage in it. Yeah. But then I need to go back and do work because that's, what's important. Yeah. And I've had to learn the hard way that like, well, no, you will you are not an infinite resource and you yeah. will run yourself into the ground with that kind of mindset. So yeah, you do need to have free time, but that free time also needs to be spent in a meaningful way. You can't yeah. just fritter it away on social media. Yeah. Um, you need to find, you know, what are the pursuits you really want to do and make it a point to go after those. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is us being honest with ourselves. Cause I think it's, it's a strange strange math to do because you need, I believe we all need time that is completely unproductive, but only for so long. You know, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, if it's video games, if it's binge watching Netflix, it's something that is unproductive, but ends up being an investment that makes you more productive in the long run. I would imagine that's very hard for you to do, especially with three young kids. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, especially with kids because you sort of, uh, everything gets re-centered around like what's normal for them. So yeah. if I ever have more than an hour to myself, I start getting really jittery. Yeah. I haven't been interrupted yet. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what to do with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's something that I learned later in life that I would like, but um, there's a guy named Scott Galloway who wrote another book I really like called The Algebra of Happiness. And he talks about if if a young kid asks you for something, just stop everything else and do it. And I didn't always do that because I was like, well, I can, you know, I'll do that later and I need to be productive now. But that's been a good, healthy investment in being unproductive is saying, yeah, we're going to go 
run around the pond and not do anything productive for an hour, and then I find my brain is way better later. Um, okay, so now let's switch to the speed round of the show, kind of condensing some of the things we've talked about. You have had the opportunity to start your own business, to be a freelancer. You've worked at a couple different places. You've thought a lot about the career transitions you've made. What is your best career advice? If someone were, you know, sort of in the same position that you were in where they were, they had talents, but they weren't quite sure how they wanted to use them. What might you say, or if one of your kids asked, you know, how do I, how do I be successful and be fulfilled regardless of what path I pick? What would you say to that person? I think, and you said this is the lightning round, but I'll talk forever and ever on this one. Okay. Um, I think it's really important to play to your strengths mm -hmm. or find your lane. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, let's use uh, a dreadful sports analogy. Okay. Um, just because I, I suspect that a Star Trek analogy will be wasted on... Uh, on me for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, but there's basically three kinds of roles. Like you have your star performers mm -hmm. and then you have your support players and then you have your coaches. Mm -hmm. And I think that the mistake that I fell into for a long time and that I see a lot of people fall into uh, at all ages and experience levels is everybody thinks that they're the star performer mm -hmm. uh, to an extent. And the reality is that very few of us are. Mm -hmm. Most of us are either support or we'd be better in the sort of coaching role and, you know, help facilitate the other people who, you know, are better than us at things. Um, that's something that, you know, I, as I was talking about with like illustration, like, ugh, like, I'm not really good enough. Mm -hmm. My friend Aaron Manier, who works on Black Rose, does the art, is a phenomenal illustrator. He's incredible, and he's able to make a living at it because mm -hmm. he is very good at it. Mm -hmm. um, he's also hyper focused at it. Mm -hmm. He does, you know, very like a little bit of design, um, but it's really very, very focused on illustration. Mm -hmm. um, Emily Harmeyer, who's here at Asher, is. Uh, an amazing designer. Yeah, I would say that on on a good day, I'm probably about at her level, but I'm still like two to three times slower than she is mm -hmm. on any given project. Yeah. So, like, you know, in in terms of a you know time is money output, like that means she's two to three times better a designer than I am for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I always uh, rankled against the expression of. Uh, jack of all trades, master of none, mm -hmm. because I was a jack of all trades. And yeah. I didn't want to <laughs> consider the fact that I could be a master of yeah. none. I wanted to do a lot of different things and have a lot of different interests. Um, and over time, that led me to realize that, like, although I had thought of myself as the star performer, and though I'd been a star performer academically, uh, I really wasn't when it came to design. I came out of school. I thought I was awesome. I was the best, clearly. I'd been the best in school, so I'm the best in real life. No, I was not. I was back at the bottom of the totem pole because now I'm working with a bunch of people who all have more experience than me, mm -hmm. uh, all have more years in. So I had to then kind of reassess and figure out, okay, well, I'm not the star performer at this. Mm -hmm. uh, am I a different kind of individual? Is there a different uh, interest that I need to be pursuing? And 
I've always, ten, I, cynically, I suppose you could say I followed the money. I looked at illustration. I said, well, I'd like to not be poor, so I better do web design because that's a better paycheck. Um, yeah. But I think it's also, you know, trying to pursue, like, what's the best match with the Venn diagram of mm -hmm. what I'm doing? Um, and I think that being a jack of all trades is actually exactly what I need for the role that I'm in now, where I am managing a team, mm -hmm. it's less about what I am producing, like a particular design or code for a specific client. Really, what I'm producing is a team. Mm -hmm. And it's it's my job to make that team as good as they possibly can be so that they can then do the best work for the clients. Um, unfortunately, I see a lot of... Uh, you know, the, these issues on, on both sides of the table, like me, I see other young people who come out of school and they think that they're the star athlete. And realistically, nobody's the star athlete, right? When you come out of school, like at best, you're a support player. Yeah. Um, and it like you can get to a star performer, but you're going to need time to get there. Mm -hmm. um, and on the flip side, I think sometimes you see people um, who are a star performer and get elevated to that like coach position. So mm -hmm. it's someone who like is the best designer and then moves up to management, but maybe doesn't have any management skills. Yeah. Maybe they're phenomenal at, you know, the work itself, but not on managing the team. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's something that, you know, is, is good to be conscious of as well. Okay. So, All right. I'm sure that's like, that's a, a a wide overarching statement. I'm sure somebody will say like, oh yeah, well that's the philosophy of dichotomy. And I'll say, okay, well, I just came up with it. And, and you'll not. be thinking the whole time that you really wish you had used a Star Trek metaphor. Right. <laughs> so, well, you see, if the red shirts fail to beam down in time. Well, you're wearing a red shirt, too. I am. Now this, that we know this is on video. Now that we know that because this is on video. Yes. Is that a TIE fighter, by the way? It's not a TIE fighter. Oh, boy. It, it does I, I look tried. like one. I just uh, tried. It's actually, it's I, I the, hate myself for even trying, but no. go ahead. It's the Millennium Falcon's targeting computer. Oh, boy. But they did design it in a way that makes it look like a TIE fighter. And for that, I am upset with the designer because oh. I'd rather every, if, if I wear a shirt like this, this is Here a, we go. This is a litmus test for friendship. <laughs> so if you recognize what this is, if I wear something that's so obscure, so inside baseball, yes. and the 1% of the population says, ah, I know what that is. Yes. It's a Millennium Falcon targeting computer. And I'll say, awesome. We can now be friends and I'll never talk to you because I don't talk to my friends. Okay. So you and I can't be friends because I got that wrong. Yes. Yes. By the way, Alex Giuliano was on campus at Ball State wearing a critical role t-shirt and someone noticed that he was a fellow Dungeons and Dragons aficionado and he was welcomed into their fold right out of the gate. And that, See? Yes. So, there you go. Um, that, that only helped you and me that last two minutes. <laughs> so, uh, Two more quick questions. Second question, uh, second question and second curveball. How would you describe when people ask you about Asher Agency and, and you have to succinctly describe the place where you work, what do you say? I would say Asher is a full service marketing agency. So we do absolutely everything that you want to do when it comes to advertising and marketing. Um, I think that Asher, out of the places that I've uh, seen and places that I've worked at, I think that Asher is the best when it comes to service, when it comes to work ethic. Um, I think that we uh, almost never say no. Uh, at, 
at worst, will say like, uh, what about this? Yeah. Um, Which is a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. 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 Good thing for our clients. Maybe not always good for us. Yeah. Um, we're very, very busy. Yeah. But, but it's a good thing. I'd rather be busy than bored. And I, uh, as I said, like as someone who, uh, you know, I'm I'm tough on myself. I expect a lot out of myself. Um, I expect clients to, you know, expect a lot out of us, expect to get a lot out of their marketing yeah. and not just be something that's like, oh, it's some fluff. It won some awards. Yeah. Um, you know, that's granted the the bias of a digital person uh, who craves hard metrics. Yeah. Uh, well, I think what you said is obviously we're biased because we work here, but I think what you said <laughs> about service is true to a person. You know, I look at you mentioned Ben and Vaughn who are more behind the scenes. Usually when it's client facing, you're the person talking to the client or prospect, and you're you're doing a lot of the work hands-on. They're doing the work hands-on, but don't have a ton of client contact generally, but even they are eager to get it right, pick up the call, you know, on the first ring if, if they're close to the phone, and, you know, really eager to, to make it work and, and make it the best solution possible. I really believe that. I think that's a differentiator. Um, and I don't know that's true of everybody who works in web development. So So kudos to you and your team. Well, thank you. Last question, and I'm going to mix this one up entirely. I know your your boys are very important to you. So I was going to ask you, what did you learn during the pandemic that changed? But I'm going to mix. What have you learned from being a parent that has mm. influenced you in a way that was unexpected? And now there's no going back. It's kind of changed how you think, how you work who you are. This is a big question, by the way, and yeah. I didn't give you any foreknowledge this was coming, but it's one of the few times where I can lord over you with my power as the <laughs> podcast host. So what have you learned from being a parent that was surprising and will stick with you moving forward? What a good question. I'll try to throw a couple things out here and hopefully something will be Erudite. Um, I think I have changed so much, like getting married, having kids, like those are all things that demand a real death to self. If mm -hmm. you're doing it correctly, in my opinion, yep. um, to, to have a good marriage, you've got to be willing to compromise quite a bit mm -hmm. to have kids. You've got to make an investment for like 20 years before it maybe starts to pay off for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are those are big, big things. And uh, while I don't know that they're, you know, for everyone, I think that there's no better tool for self-improvement. There's no better motivation to uh, improve yourself than, you know, trying to improve your appearance in your partner's eyes or mm -hmm. trying to, you know, feel worthy of the unconditional love uh, from your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a huge responsibility. Um, and it's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding and incredibly frustrating, uh, usually at the same time or within a five second span of each other. Um, kids will change you and they will rewire your brain. I used to be the biggest introvert on the planet. Um, and now, uh, when I get a chance, um, uh, when the when the kids are away, my wife will sometimes take the kids for a weekend to go see her family, and I will get a weekend 
just by myself to play video games mm -hmm. and just be bachelor and just do whatever I want to do. That's like my dream. That's what I would do when the semester was over at college and uh, they would say like, okay, everyone has to be out of the dorms by a certain date. I'm like, well, I don't have a car and my parents can't pick me up until this date. So you just got to let me stay here. And so then I'd have like three or four days of just like video games yeah. all day. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And so like, I try to recapture that now and I'm miserable. I'm so lonely. The minute that they're out the door, I'm like, oh no, what's happened to me? Um, so that's, that's a, a huge thing that I was not expecting. Um, but like the degree to which they become part of your life, um, is wild. But I also think, um, you know, getting, uh, into the management path, um, as I've done over the past few years in which I hadn't originally, you know, kind of thought of for my career, it just yep. kind of happened. Um, but being a dad was the best possible preparation for that because, uh, you have to learn, you know, like, how do I like mold these tiny people? Um, speaking of my children now, not Ben and Vaughn. Um, <laughs> Although Ben's kind of tiny. Yeah. <laughs> But how, how do I, you know, mold these people and encourage them to grow? How do I, you know, balance, you know, positive and negative reinforcement, um, all that stuff. Um, and I feel like is the really what you want to take into management. You need to have, you know, flexibility and understanding, but there also needs to be accountability. And how do you, you know, try to try to structure those things? Well, I think the two are related. Uh, tell me if you agree in that when you are mentoring others, which is a big piece of being a, a good leader or manager, you have to want things for your team at the expense of what you want for yourself sometime. Uh, I mean, that's the parallel to me, is that like you know, a good parent, you're going to put your own needs second to the needs of the people who are working with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of my role, because everyone on my team works so closely together, it's not like anybody is doing one particular thing completely on their own. My job is kind of like I'm the guy who's upriver from the sawmill. And as the logs are coming in, I'm kind of shoving them into the appropriate uh, canals. And then they're going, getting ground up. Um, I'd rather be a guy working in the sawmill. I'd rather be like mm -hmm. doing design and development most days rather than project management. Yeah. But it's my job to first make sure that everybody else's plate is full and now if there's stuff left over, now I'll jump in and take that. Yeah. And surprisingly, it's one of the best ways for you to grow and develop is doing the stuff you don't want to do, but that pushes you out of your comfort zone. Yep. Well, Brandon, Pete, this was my sneaky way of getting parenting, relationship, and management advice from you. So thank you for <laughs> indulging me. But no, uh, seriously, you're one of my favorite people I've ever worked with. I really appreciate you doing this. You have a great story. You do fantastic work. And it is a pleasure to have you on the show and to have you as a coworker. Hey, back at you. Well, everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And we'll be back next time with another great guest. And we hope you'll join us then. Bye.